0: Reformation is not an event. You need to be a reformer. It's a lifestyle. We need to become revivalists. We stop talking about revival and just release revival in the earth. Like what we're doing right now. Amen? Up in her. Man, I literally had a hard time walking up these stairs. When the presence of the Lord is heavy, it's, it, the word um, glory, kabod, is, it's, a, it's a weight. Weight. Wait, it's weighty. And uh, man, I just love Jesus. We don't want to take it lightly, Holy Spirit, that you're in this place. Generations longed for this kind of stuff. What the prophets cried out for is for us today. What Jesus paid the price for, we have access to. Just close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, just stay in control of this whole gathering. Do your thing. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, we love you. Mm. Yes, 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 Lord. Amen, amen, amen. How do we sustain a move of God how do we not get in the way with what God's doing, even in our own life? Let the work of transformation, the work of the fruits of the Spirit, which we don't, we don't have enough teaching on the fruits and character. Character is more important than the anointing. God releases favor and blessing on people that have integrity. And I'm not just talking about a moral uprightness. I mean integrity of heart like David the, the presence of the Lord is drawn to that type of heart. That's a heart after God. And I believe that as we, as we grow as a body, as a people in a city called Henderson that God has destined for revival, in a city called Las Vegas, Elvis prophesied Viva Las Vegas. He was prophesying revival back in the 60s. Come on. Whoever named Las Vegas must have been prophetic because it means like meadows, like fruitful meadows. It's a desert. Because God says, I'm going to do a new thing in the desert and it'll spring forth rivers on Water Street and Army. Amen. A revival is an invasion of God's presence. It's an invasion of His love. It, It only is for absolute freedom for you. To live in absolute freedom. And I'm not talking about freedom in in lasciviousness and, and all that. I'm talking about freedom in Christ. Grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace is divine enablement to live in freedom. I believe that we have to learn to stop striving. We've got to learn to rest in a moving of God's presence. The revivals and moves of God are never, ever, ever, ever meant to die off. They're meant to progress and move on and grow. But many times a movement becomes a monument because we either run ahead or we, we miss it somewhere. And we strive and we, and we work and we think that, well, God's wanting us to do this and so i got to pray more and fast more. I just didn't feel enough breakthroughs so we got to pray and fast more. You know, I, I was talking in the first service I was sharing about prayer. Something that bothers me sometimes when we come to prayer and the first thing, just so you know, I'm not talking to anyone specifically. I literally, I'm not thinking of anyone when I say this. But sometimes we come in prayer and I hear people, many of you I don't think do this, but it's like we start praying and we just start, Oh, Father God, Lord God, before we even just, just stop and get his heart. Sometimes we just run ahead of God instead of resting and allow him his presence. I want to talk about this morning how the spirit of God wants to rest on you. Isaiah 66.1 says, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you'll build me, and where is the place of my rest? Noah sent on a dove when he's, uh, the waters are subsiding. He's on the boat for about a year. The flood covered the earth, and he sends a dove out because he wants to know if the waters have, have subsided so the dove is looking for a place to rest and finds none, comes back. And then he sends it out again seven days later and the dove comes back with a fresh olive leaf in its beak and it found rest. And I was thinking about this. I'm thinking like, God, where's your place of rest? Is there any believers out there that have a heart that, that you can just land on, have a place that you can just rest on? And I began to just think about this story and it's interesting that the dove brings back an olive leaf. It's a, you know that the olive tree, all throughout, look prophetically in the Old Testament. It's always a representation of the anointing. It's, a, it's always a representation. And I believe that the place where God's spirit rests is always a place of fresh oil from heaven. But many times we strive and we run ahead of God. God begins to move and breathe on our lives. And, and, and you know, I, I would like to touch on... on uh, When God gives us fire, it's always our responsibility to maintain it. Like sometimes we we get on fire and we get imparted to, and then we don't maintain it. We have to steward what he gives us. But it's not hard because he's the one that ignited it. All all fire needs is just a little wood every once in a while. Just keep it going. Just keep it. It's not hard. It's not hard. You just let the Holy Spirit, let him rest on us. But there's this this picture of the resting of the dove. Dove is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look in the life of Jesus, how, how the Holy Spirit rested on him. But I love that it was a fresh olive leaf in his beak. Because the place where God rests, you know he lives in us, right? But he wants to rest upon us, the Spirit of God resting upon us. And it's a place of fresh oil. It's a place where we continue to burn for him. It's a place where, where, you know, that fresh oil that in the tabernacle that lit the menorah, the seven branches of this candle that lit up the tabernacle, it, it's a representation of the sevenfold spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, a representation of revelation. Zechariah said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In that vision, in Zechariah 4, 6, he sees a vision of the menorah, the lampstand. And it's by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God resting in our lives. If we, if we don't steward this revival in what God is doing and learn to enter in a place of rest, it's not striving. You know, God wants to move far greater than we're asking him to. I mean, he, he wants the whole world saved. And we're praying for the harvest. When the harvest is ripe, we have to position our hearts, allow him to rest and remain so that we can walk and release his kingdom everywhere we go. I want to read a scripture to you in Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2. There will come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch will grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Say, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Now, there's seven attributes given in the context of the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord, the the Sovereign Lord, the Spirit of God. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the the Sovereign God is upon Him. He has anointed Him to preach the gospel to the poor. It's the first message Jesus preached in a synagogue. And and in the Scripture, there's seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. It says the, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear of the Lord. I believe that we have to learn this place of rest before we can learn any of the other stuff. And and understanding that he wants to rest on us, we will live in a place of rest where we're not striving, oh, it's hard to serve God. No, it's not. It's a relationship. It just needs to be, you, you just have to love the person. It's a relationship. Marriage is not hard. Marriage is a blessing from God. It's no different. If you love your spouse... Some of us have a long-distance relationship with God, and it's real easy to maintain until we get close to Him and we realize there's some things that need to be changed within us. But it's not hard. Just allow the Holy Spirit to rest and enter His rest. Now, He wants to rest on us, but He also wants to remain. Now, I I shared this first service, so I want to, just for a moment, touch theologically. I I don't want to get into the omnipresence of God and get into the indwellment of the Holy Spirit in the believer. Um, I could distinguish it for you. We could look in Scripture and, and but many theologies that we have, um, you know, the omnipresence of God and, and all these things. Uh, it, it, might, it might sound a little weird what I'm about to share with you, but you need to understand that God is everywhere. He holds everything together, but he's not everywhere in the same sense. And so I want to share a little bit with you as I read the scripture. You have to understand, he indwells you, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But there's a difference between him living in your heart and then him resting on your life. There's a difference. There's a difference between uh, God being everywhere, that in him all things consist, according to Colossians 1, that literally everything is held together by him. In him all things consist. And then him being in the tabernacle, or him Jesus said, where two or more gathered, there I am in the midst. He wasn't saying, I'm not there when you're not gathered. He's saying, but I manifested and revealed when you gather. It's called the manifest presence of God. The ancient Hebrews, when they, the, the tabernacle and the, the Shekinah glory, they literally, God concentrated his presence in one place. And so, in Jesus' life, he is sharing, and many of us look at this verse I'm about to read you, and we think, oh, yeah, he lives in our hearts, Amen. But I want to share with you what this verse is saying. It says here in John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come and make our home with him. Say amen. Amen. Jesus said, if you keep my word, the father will love you. And he says, and we will come and make our abode with him. This Greek word does not just mean indwelling, but it means remain, staying, abiding, arresting. So the Holy Spirit is not just wanting to indwell us, but he's wanting to rest upon us and remain. In Jesus' life, he was baptized, and John the Baptist is is, uh, seeing something happen, significantly happen to him. In John one thirty two, it says, John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Now, that word remain is actually the root word for the word home, make our home with you. It's not just an indwellment. Now, when I began to read this, I I just started thinking about something. I thought about making people feel welcome in my home. Have you ever been to somebody's house and you you were invited, but you didn't feel welcome? Right? Anyone? And sometimes I think we've got to understand that God, he's wanting to be celebrated and welcomed. And sometimes we invite him to come, but we don't, Host his presence the way that we would host someone in our own home. In other words, honor them, um, welcome them. You know, uh, imagine getting a phone call and getting invited to somebody's house and you go to the door and they answer and they're like, oh, it's you. Like you're questioning, didn't you call me and invite me over? I think sometimes we do that with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, even when we're praying for people up here, and some people might not be used to that. I'm not going to spend time trying to defend theologically what happens. But I will say that, you know, we can't judge the Holy Spirit when his kids respond to him in different ways. I was sharing with first service how I love all my kids and they all respond differently to my love. Uh, Josiah, which means the fire of God, my youngest son, I hug him, love him. And the way he responds to my love is he'll run around the room and break something. I, right? I mean, kind of. He's just crazy. Now, Hannah, daddy's girl, daddy's little princess, my youngest daughter, I love her, and she just loves to cuddle. And she's just daddy's girl, and she loves being in daddy's arm. Now, sometimes we worship like that. Some people just love to cuddle with God. And, there were, and some people are a little crazy, you know, and they break something. And, but we can't judge the Holy Spirit because he wants to rest on us. Let's make them feel welcome. I love going to people's homes and, you know, the the gift of hospitality is a gift from God. Man, some of the the wives and my wife and, you know, like my, uh, my dad's wife, my dad remarried and his wife has such a gift of hospitality. Doesn't she, Sharon? She was in first service and Um, man, we go there and she's just, you just feel welcome. And the home is always clean. It's just, you just feel welcome. You know, we go to Mike and Christine's and I get the the chair right next to the head, you know, the head right next to Mike and and the food's prepared and I always feel so welcome. It's not just a a little mouth service invitation and their hearts really don't want us there. Sound familiar? Jesus said, would they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And God's looking for a place that he can rest on. He's looking for, listen, let's be welcoming to the Holy Spirit. We say that, welcome, Holy Spirit. But what are we really saying? Jesus says that we're going to come and make our home with you. Now, I want to share with you what's interesting about that is he wants to rest on us. He wants to remain on us. What's interesting is the Hebrew parallel to this word could be found in Exodus 25.8. God says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them he says, dwell among them. I want to dwell among, that word dwell is shakan, which literally means rock me Shaka Khan." No, that's not what it means. Someone ever say shaka. I think we're really saying like God come in power. The Hebrew, the Hebrew word parallels here. I believe Jesus was saying this He says in John 14, we're going to make our home with you. We're going to come dwell. We're going to come, and and my Shekinah glory is going to be seen on you. doesn't say that in Isaiah chapter 60. My glory will be seen on you. God is saying, I want to rest on you, and I want to remain on you. Now, he he lives in us. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. We understand, you know, we're in Christ, but stop reasoning in your minds about all that. Because I think that there's a difference. You ever felt like you quenched the Holy Spirit or grieved Him? We've got to be aware of that. I was thinking about what, what a welcoming home contains. Uh, you know, there's peace in a home, there's, there's love, there's, uh, there's no contention, there's honor in a home. I think about our church and, you know, we're learning all this stuff together, right? We're we're learning as a family to love one another, right? Sometimes it looks like Jerry Springer. Sometimes it looks like Dr. Phil. Sometimes it looks good. But we're learning to love each other. But God is welcomed in a home where there's love and there's peace and there's honor. And there's honor for one another. I, I love when my kids get along it just makes me happy. When they don't, I just want to whoop them. And Rochelle does it. And actually, Nana does it too. Nana's right there. I'll be like, Nana, get the paddle. And Nana says, go ahead. Nana keeps a paddle in her couch. She probably has two or three in there right now. little wooden spoons stuck in between the cushions. You do, huh? When you go home, look, that's a prophetic word. But listen, now we got to love our kids. And if we're not disciplining them in love, that's another message. One time I was disciplining my kids. Actually, I was angry with them, and God says, I don't talk to you like that. Wow. <sighs> Every time I get irritated, I remember what He said to me. And I never want to quench Him. I, ne- I don't want to discipline my kids. But the point is this when my kids get along, oh, it's such a blessing, isn't it, honey? It's such a blessing, and it's the same thing with us. And sometimes we dishonor him because we're we got this stuff going on, which moves me to point number three. I actually had points to this message Jesus, that's the point. Holy Spirit, the Father, Amen. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Number three, where does his presence rest? How can I cultivate or create an environment where he rests? Where, where he's welcome. He's not just tolerated. You know, a lot of our churches, they, we tolerate the Holy Spirit. And, he, and as soon as he begins to move, um, not too much, Lord. We don't want to offend people. The Holy Spirit knows way more than we do. He hovered over the waters, okay, before there was, there was order to the universe. That's why we're seeker aware and we're Holy Spirit welcoming. I believe we need to use wisdom you know with with unbelievers present and and all that and but and, and Paul became all things all men, but we never grieve Holy Spirit, we never quench Holy Spirit a long time ago, the Lord gave us a picture as we are the body of christ and and it's this beautiful symphony of different members it's like a imagine a symphony with all these instruments and and his love tunes us, amen, and we become a symphony we be, we, we get put in harmony where we sound. We have one beautiful sound together, and the world hears it. And that's his love that does that. But I, I got this picture that the Holy Spirit is this conductor, and many times we get in the way, and we're like, we, we just try to conduct it ourselves in, in, in corporate gatherings when, when we don't allow Holy Spirit to have his way. And we've tolerated the Holy Spirit in our services, and that is not the resting of the Holy Spirit. That's quenching and grieving him. And we could take a moment and talk about how we can quench him, discipline our kids, or quench him when we get in a fight with our wife or husband or friend or, you know, all the times that we feel like, oh, I just blew it. But I believe that what what God is looking for is just a loyal heart that will steward his mercy and his love. Now, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. You're going to get what I'm saying. But a relationship can be defined very simply as me trusting you and you trusting me. There's just trust. There's relationship. You know, in Jesus' life, many times that's what he preached on was, you need to trust me, and I'm also looking for someone to trust. That's why everyone says Jesus preached on money more than anything. He was exemplifying finances, your walk, and he was also exemplifying stewardship. God is looking for people that he can trust so that he can remain on them. He's looking for hearts that he can rest on. Now, the the Hebrew word that I might dwell among them is Shaka. It's where we get the word shakana glory. It's not in the Bible, but the Hebrews called it, it's the shakana glory. It's that tangible manifest presence. I want you to put the picture up here if you would. Now, I want to share something the Lord gave me this week, and And I believe it's one of the keys, one of the greatest keys to being a heart that his presence can rest on, where we can maintain uh, the move of God and what he's doing in our lives. Right here is a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat, it's a, a little higher than I can reach, but it's right there underneath the angel's wings, right there. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies, many of you know. And the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. Does anyone know where the presence of God rested? Right on top of the mercy seat. Actually, in Isaiah, it says something of the fact that he who dwells between the cherubim. He who dwells between the cherubim. So the presence of the Lord was was right on the mercy seat. Now, would you go to the next picture? I love this picture right here. Look at that. The high priest. And He's you know allowed in there once a year. You can go in anytime. Anytime. And he was selected like I mean, literally, it was like talk about opportunity of a lifetime. And so he's in there. Now in the tabernacle, you they would see that fire of the glory of the Lord over the tent. It would be a cloud by day and a fire by night. But look right between the angels. The now you know what's interesting about this is Mary was coming to the tomb, and Jesus was raised from the dead. She looks in the tomb, and she sees this stone that the body was laid on. It it was like a rectangle, and there's an angel on either side, and she sees the bloody grave clothes in the middle. I believe she was seeing a picture of the mercy seat. And no longer was the presence of God contained, but it was now released for everybody. So now, what would happen? The priest would come in and he would bring the blood, the sacrificed animals, bring the blood, and it would touch the mercy seat. It would atone for the sins of the people of God. Now, the the word mercy seat, it's the place of the total cleansing and wiping away of sin. Now, when Jesus died, he came and he touched the mercy seat with his blood. That's why he told Mary, "Don't, don't hug me yet. I have not yet ascended to my father. Because he had to go to heaven and he had to put his blood on the mercy seat. But what I want to share with you is the simple fact that his presence rested on the mercy seat. And so it is that he wants to rest on those covered in the blood of the lamb. And here's the key, that we become agents of the mercy seat, displaying the love of God everywhere we go. What does that mean, that we're a people of mercy? We're not a people that retain. We don't have problems with everyone. We don't we're not always holding grudges and unforgiveness and bitterness and I'm telling you it's the first thing that will zap that that resting presence of God. You feel it sometimes. Have you ever felt like You have aught with someone. it's just, uh, it's just not right. It's not, you got to get right with God. You got to get right with your brother, your sister. I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord rests on the mercy seat. Now, when you were born again, the spirit of God lives in you now. Now, that's where the presence of God was. It's all type and shadows. So he rests on those that carry his mercy and his love. Now, this, this is going to make more sense so you. have heard me teach this before. John, are you guys getting anything out of this? Is this making sense? John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus sent out the disciples. We started doing a series on the kingdom of God, and we talked about sending power. And here's one of the reasons we're not empowered as the church as we think we should be. Jesus breathed on the disciples, okay, the breath of heaven, the, the glory of God, the presence of God, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, not just indwellment, but let him rest on you. Look, look through the scripture. And, and he said this, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they're retained. Well, what does that mean? He was telling them, you need to be the mercy seat to everyone you come in, come in contact with. Don't retain, release. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. What did Jesus do? He walked around and and just, your sins are forgiven. The the woman caught in adultery, that's the gospel, saints. That's the gospel, caught in adultery. And they're going to stone her according to the law. And he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. What was he doing? He was extending mercy. Now, the dove landed on Jesus and remained. The Spirit of God. He walked in the Spirit of God. In order for him to rest on us, we have to carry his mercy. Something profound I was reading about, and I'm going to be closing in a moment. Luke chapter 5, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's rebu- rebuking their ideas and their paradigm. And he says, Listen, the way that you live and function, you can't contain what God is doing now. And he says, You know, you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. It can't contain it, it'll burst. We like to look at that as leaders, as everything that God does. If we put some kind of form around it, if it's not expandable, it's an old wineskin. Amen? Everything that we, we, you know, because it's important to have structure. But if we don't allow structure to expand, then we can, it's just form. It's just form. And the Bible talks about a form of godliness and no power. And so we always have to be expandable. When my wife and I planted a church two and a half years ago. We're like, we don't know what it's going to look like. What is community? I want to know what community. What is discipleship? I still don't know. I'm still learning because I didn't walk with Jesus. And I think we've got it so mixed up with our own Western culture. I don't think we really know what disciple. I want to learn what that is. And and so I don't have a form that's just set. It's expandable. It's growing. Oh, wow. Okay. Someone comes and shares something with me. Ooh, that's a good gem. We prophesy in part. One has a song. One has a word. There's a symphony. There's a sound. There's a harmony. And we're growing. We're learning from each other. And Jesus is rebuking. Listen, he's rebuking the Pharisees because they're complaining about him drinking wine with the disciples. And they're also complaining about John's disciples because they don't fast. The Pharisees always had a problem with people. Even Jesus, look in the life of Jesus, are like, uh, Lord, there's someone praying in your name. What should we do? He's like, if they're not against us or for us, leave them alone. They probably didn't even know what they're doing, but Jesus is like, don't worry about it. Stop trying to pick fights. And he, then he introduces this. Listen, he says, You need a new wineskin. Here's the wineskin I'm talking about where the presence can rest. It's people that are so mercy motivated and love motivated that they're unoffendable. I'm unoffendable. A man of God gave me a word a couple of weeks ago. He said, God's pleased with the sacrifices of your love like the sacrifices of praise. Keep sacrificing. spoke to me so powerfully. And I I began to think about how sometimes we don't want to praise God. Or maybe our voice, Chris lost his voice. (laughs) He needs some voice therapy the next couple days. Lots of tea and honey and lemon, praise God. Sometimes we don't have a voice and we don't want to praise. Sometimes we're tired and we don't want to, you know, give God a shout of praise. We're like golf clap. Yeah, praise God. You don't know how my week was, brother. Tell me to shout unto God. Listen, listen, when we don't feel like loving and we love anyways, oh, God just is so attracted to that. The Spirit just rests upon that. Mercy motivated, mercy seat. You can come to me and I'm just going to give you mercy. You're going to come to me. Listen what the psalmist said. The psalmist said here in Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. There's a relation to the presence of God and love and mercy, an outflow of grace. It started, I mean, you look all throughout Scripture, it pointed to the Messiah, and it started with Jesus on a cross and the flow of blood that came out of him. Because where there's a flow of blood, where the blood is, there's, there's mercy. On the mercy seat, Jesus, he brought his blood before the Father, and it took care of our sin. He dealt with sin once and for all. And Jesus himself is hanging on the tree. You've heard it a million times, but in, in, in light of what I'm talking about this morning, Jesus looks at the people who brutally crucified him. Not just talked about him or did something bad to him. They, they literally, nails through his wrists, beat him. And he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. The psalmist says, "I'll sing of the mercies of the Lord, with my mouth. I'll make known your faithfulness to all generations." Listen, what did they sing when they were dedicating Solomon's temple? And the glory of the Lord filled the glory of the Lord filled the house. You know that there's a prophecy that says that the, the glory, uh, the latter glory will be greater than the former. The former is talking about Solomon's temple. The latter is talking about you and I. Ephesians chapter two that we are His house, a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Latter glory. You know what happens? Because the latter glory, you know what's going to happen when the latter glory is greater than the former? It means the latter church is going to be more merciful and loving than the former. Because where there's glory, there's weight, there's substance, there's, there's love, there's just this tangible love, there's this connection with people where you'll literally lay your life down for somebody. And you don't care about your reputation. You don't care that someone can can hurt you. You're vulnerable. You know what? It's going to happen. We've just got to live in mercy. Live in the love of God. Covered in the blood. I'm the mercy seat. Rest on me, God. I want to carry your glory. Let your glory be seen on me. I'm unoffendable because you purchased me with your blood. And the Bible says here, that when they were worshiping in Solomon's temple, the glory filled, they said, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Wow. The church needs to sing that again. The body of Christ needs to sing. The the gospel should be a sound of mercy and love and acceptance and forgiveness, not condemnation and judgment and criticism. Are you guys getting this this morning? I'm going to close in a moment. Oh, it's only 12.39. I got 20 minutes. Glory. Some of you are like, oh, Lord. (laughs) Give me just a couple moments and we're going to close. God, I want to be an agent of mercy and love. Your mercy endures forever. That is the song that the body of Christ is arising to sing. It's a love reformation, a love revival, a love revolution I want to be a place that your presence can rest on, God. I want to be an agent of your mercy and grace. We've got to learn this. He wants to rest. He wants to remain. And he's looking for hearts of mercy and grace. So many people have hurt me in my lifetime. And there's so much freedom in just forgiving them. So much freedom. I'm telling you. So many moves of God are thwarted because of bitterness and splits and unforgiveness and divisions and strife and, and all the stuff that should not exist in our home if we're welcoming to him, the guest of honor. Lift your hands and say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I want to ask the worship team to come and we're going to close and we're going to sing about the blood. Can we do that song again? We're going to sing about the blood and his love. Let's, let's just worship God together. Let's worship God together. First service, the families got together. And spouses got together. And it was like new beginnings. And, and the children were being prayed for. And if you want to do that again, please. But listen, the altars are open. If you want to come, bow. If you want to come and just say, God, I want to be a resting place. I want to sustain this move, this what you're doing. And, and, and Father, I don't want to retain unforgiveness, grudges, bitterness. You know, I, I believe that God can actually help you forget the pain. People say forgive and forget. I believe it's possible. God forgets. Yeah, that's good. I believe it's possible. I was sharing with my wife the other day. I literally, sometimes I forget. And I have a good memory. God's blessed me with a good memory, right? But I literally forget. I'm like, oh, that's right. They hurt me last year. Or whatever sometimes the lord it's like he he needs to god just erase that thing help me just release it just completely release it just release it And, and we don't sing about the blood enough we need to we need to not forget the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sin we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins what the scripture says lift your hands again and say holy spirit rest on my life rest on my family I want to be an agent of mercy and grace and walk in love and forgiveness. The altar's open. Let's worship for a little bit and then we'll dismiss you. Amen. Come, Lord. Do what you
1: want in Jesus' name. See
0: in the Lord's prayer, saints. He says, and also pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I thank you for the flow of the blood of Jesus right now. Touch every family, every child. I just pray for a sweet unity. I pray for walls to come down. I pray against unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment, God, and and criticism and the, the, the thought process of punishment and legalism, God. I pray for grace and freedom and love and supernatural mercy. Your mercy endures forever. And we speak a blessing over every family. And Lord, I thank you for this precious family of God. Saints, I love you. I bless you. I am so honored to be a a leader in this house. I'm so honored that we can be a family together and see God's glory flood Henderson. Let a new beginning come and maintain this mercy, this grace, this resting, this fire, what God's doing in you and through you. I want to do something. I want to take some time with a genuine, in a spirit of reverence. The Bible says, submit to one another in the fear of God, in a spirit of reverence and honor. Can we take about five minutes? Some of us are still praying. That's fine. Take your time. But can we just love one another? Can we grab a brother and a sister and say, I love you. And I bless you. Come on. Jonathan, I love you Jonathan Sprink, you're a man of God I bless you You know how honored I am that you're just sitting right there That I get to be close to you The destiny and the call that's in on your life You have no idea how anointed you really are I love you, brother Come on Daniel, I love you, man of God You've been with me since the beginning I honor you, I love you I speak life into you I speak resurrection to every dream Don't ever stop, man. You're anointed. You're awesome. Come on. Speak life to somebody. Tell them. Tell your spouse how much you love them. Tell your children. Children, tell your parents. Come on. dismiss you. I want to read a scripture to you as you're loving people around you. Are you ready? You want to live in fresh oil? Who wants to live in the place of the flow of fresh oil anointing? Come on. Are you ready? Listen to this. I think we're experiencing some of this right now. Listen. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Listen, Zion is where God's presence rests. That's what he chose. He said in Isaiah, I've chosen Zion as my resting place. Listen. Listen. The Lord commanded the blessing there, life forevermore. Thank God for a spirit of unity. Amen. Spirit of love. Be blessed, saints. We love you. Take some time. Love people around you. Get to know some new faces. Amen. God bless you.